2: are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you go to where you want to learn of the latest when it comes to anything out of the ordinary, from shadow people to hat man, of course, angels to aliens, and all of the above. I want you to know if you have experienced anything and you want to share it and you want to get some insight, or if you want to share your research and insight, please send it through my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com, and I will get to them here on this program. I swear it is like the most enjoyable when I read some of these things, and I'm always just as surprised as you are when I get through them, because I am not usually screening them. And I just play it out as we go along. <laughs> it's just a, it, it's more refreshing to me. And it's more spontaneous. And uh, I don't know, I, I just I like going that way. And uh, yeah, so send them on over to me. And if you want to write me directly, just go and write me at Heidi Hollis at gmail.com. And uh, I will also respond there. Oh, wow. You know, um, a lot of things have happened this week that has me really thinking on some topics that I want to discuss with you for this first segment before I get to my fabulous guest that you are really going to enjoy. It is Bill Bean. Oh, yeah. He is uh, so deep in the most... demonic situations out there. Let's put it that way. And he brings enlightenment that is really inspiring. And uh, he reminds me of myself. He's been through some things and, and uh, got over it and is now trying to help other people. And uh, I think that's the best way to be when you're going through the motions of uh, the paranormal. I find that the best researchers have really experience something on their own and wanted to find answers and luckily they had the the gumption to pick up and go and do just that and help a lot of people. Even when I read books, I, I find that the ones that are more um, talking about the background of the person it, before they started off in the research, like what inspired them, because there is an inspiration. Now I get it. A lot of people are curious, and and they make good researchers too. But for me personally, I just really dig like when people come from that deep down something happened. I needed to find answers, and voila, it's helped other people. That's just me, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of people, <laughs> but. Um, Uh, Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about something today. There's been this common theme as of late that uh, should really get us all thinking, you know, we've seen enough uh, sci fi and horror flicks when it comes to the robots and the computers getting smarter than us. Like, what are we going to do about it? Like, oh, no, you know, this is horrible. Like, we can't let them be sentient. We can't do that but there's a few things that are going on today and uh you know it's just going to happen right it's going to happen where we are going to continue this relationship in connecting to artificial intelligence and computers and software and the internet and all these different ways um that just kind of inspire us to want to dig a little further and explore deeper And I'm kind of the mindset, like, gosh, we haven't even figured out our oceans yet. And we're going to depths that are deep within our brain that uh, I wonder, I wonder how safe it is. Are there any deep monsters in in our brains that might take over like a, a deep ocean? No, but... I think that there's some things that we have to be uh, aware of that are going on. Okay, so this past week, I, I, I'm sure you guys have heard uh, Mark Zuckerberg. He spoke of the next steps in the future of Facebook. He's created all these different uh, outlying like branches of his company to explore and create a metaverse. And he has on some levels, but... The level to which he's going to are going to be absolutely expansive where it's like, Pff, what do I need to go and leave my house for? I'll just sit here and uh, <laughs> on the couch and make a groove for my body to sit in and, and remain there forever when I could just put on some glasses and, and be able to interact with the things around me, even in the environment of somebody else who created this metaverse. And it was extensive. It was quite... Uh, quite a presentation. I'm like, Ooh, oh my, this is, uh, this is getting really, really interesting. And, and now I want to speak on a couple of definitions. Okay. Metahuman. All right. For anybody that's into DC comics. All right. That's like a a, a rough term, uh, that kind of goes with mutants. Right. And, And the Marvel universe as well. Right. Uh, so it's like, what are we saying? What, what is a, a a metahuman we're the kind of a a superhuman right with i don't know extraordinary abilities beyond uh what's quote typical yeah um there's mutations and you know whatever else that creates these people they might have got exposed to something and uh so that's 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 you know in the comic universe right and then there's this thought of something uh, called post-human or post-humanism. That it's just a concept that kind of came out of the science fiction world as well and, and philosophy even. And it kind of means that a person or an entity uh, kind of is a, in a state that's more than human. okay. Uh, I mean, these are things that have been thought and spoken of for a very long time. So, and and this whole like uh, aim is to address like a variety of questions, you know, and uh, ethics even, you know, why why are we looking to something like that? But we've we've been doing that for a long time now. There's also something called transhumanism. Now, that is kind of a a, a movement, a philosophical. One, um, but it's kind of like predicting the enhancement of humankind. And what can that mean? Well, you know, you see that uh, like Terminator got like a robot arm uh, attached to somebody's body, right? Um, well, hold on. Was it Terminator? Terminator was a whole robot. Okay, never mind. Um, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like to get a limb or something replaced, it kind of enhances the individual, right? And and are we doing that? Well, I mean, you think of prosthetic arms, uh, legs, they kind of can do that. And, you know, if they could really get it integrated to our bodies, we could like maybe take off and fly one day. I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but in this metaverse that's being created, these are things that we can do. And now you guys have all been paying attention to Elon Musk speaking of Neuralink, right? What is Neuralink? Neuralink. Well, I mean, that's to interface the brain with computers. All right. Wow. We have arrived. <laughs> we are hitting that payload of robots and humans blending. It's like a whole other community of things that could happen with this. And now I have been among humans for a long time. <laughs> I'm mostly human uh, so far. And, um, I, I'm, I'm hearing words being spoken of out there among, uh, deep thinkers and people that are in touch with other understandings and, uh, even connected into, um, different elements out there. Let's, let's put it that way. I'll just keep it vague. And, and it's getting, uh, it's getting to the point of, people are kind of questioning, you know, the motivations behind all of this, like, and, and the indication soul wise, what does this, what does this mean? You know, and it's not like, like uh, others, even like Elon Musk has said, you know, it's going to happen, you know, it's, it's happening already. Neuralink is working um, to an extent where we're interfacing like that. Um, and then there's people like myself, I, I, think i might have mentioned here briefly a long time ago on this program how um there's people who are able to empathically feel things around them i you know people have empathy right i I hope so because that makes us rather human um and i have that empathy to a level that um I just, uh, I didn't know it was considered something out of the ordinary, okay? But there's there's something out there called synesthesia, all right? And that's a crossing of human sensory. Uh, you smell coffee and you might see the color yellow all around you. It's like, well, why would that? Well, your sensory uh, and the brain are, are crossing for some reason. It's triggering that And, uh, sometimes people hear music and they see colors dancing around them. How cool is that? That's like that, uh, <laughs> that TV series that was really awesome back in the day called Hero. And, uh, wow, it was, that was a, that was a really cool episode, a cool show. I wish they'd bring that back because they actually had somebody who could see colors in the air, um, when music was playing and it was just so cool and it's absolutely synesthesia but so there's somebody like myself out there and there's others too that that are able to feel not just uh other people but i can feel like uh the connections with things around me like objects even and uh you know yeah sure we give our car a name and you know come on bessie let's get going um that type of thing but you know sometimes there's people who could take it to a different level and I didn't know it was considered odd or rare to do that. And I'm like, okay, so I, I feel that. And and I got dubbed uh, to be uh, a machine empath. Like, wow, blew my mind, blew my mind. But the question that I want to put out there and presenting all this different material here today, if that's something that somebody like myself, and, and there's others out there who do too, can feel this already. It's already within our capacity as a human being to be able to do these things. So do we really need to integrate it into our bodies? Do we really need to think of ourselves as being superhuman when we already have these abilities and I think it's just a matter of paying attention to it and allowing ourselves to evolve to do that versus evolving technology always to try to make the leap, the leap with within so I'll have you think about that <laughs> alright so we are going to uh, join our guest here soon oh you are in for a treat, Bill Bean is amazing Whew, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio And Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: We're happy to let you know that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows all for free. So head on over to coasttocostam.com and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. Coasttocostam.com is where you want to be.
4: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded, the Apollo jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper.
5: It's a shame, you know, that they took him from us.
4: Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer.
3: Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Marwar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case,
4: and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to cold blooded the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I started talking about this incident.
2: Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) As promised, I have a fabulous guest that is joining me today, Bill Bean, who is a world renowned exorcist and spiritual deliverance minister and is known as the Spiritual Warrior. Bill has helped hundreds of people worldwide. He's also an internationally known author, lecturer, and paranormal supernatural expert. Bean has appeared on various television programs like The Holzer Files, A Haunting, Ghost Nation, and Fright Club. Bill Bean's spiritual warfare deliverance ministry addresses anything from curses to blocks to attachments, obsession, obsession, oppression, to possession by demonic spirits. He's also a life coach. And Bill Bean is the author of the following critically acclaimed books. One called Dark Force. One delivered. Ten Steps to Victory. The Connection. Stranger Than Fiction. Dark Force Revisited. The Seventh Book. Stranger Than Fiction 2. And Purge. I would like to give a warm welcome to Bill Bean. How are you doing today, Bill?
0: I'm doing great, Heidi. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's always great to be on with you. And I hope everything's going well for you.
2: Yeah, it, you know, life has been fascinating. And being part of this cool new network, I'm, I'm always excited to talk to you because you're so passionate about the work that you do. And the work that you do is so very important. And I want people to hear from you what that all encompasses.
0: Well, you know, uh, you're right. Passionate is a good word for that because I take this personally. I know what it's like to suffer. And I was once a victim. You know, my uh, family was destroyed by demonic forces and I was nearly destroyed as well. So I take the sufferings of others very personally. Plus, um, this is a calling from God. This is not something that I chose to do. This isn't something said, oh, wow, that's neat. Let me try that no, this was a real and authentic calling from God for me to do this. And in the beginning, when God first called me to do this, I thought God must have a sense of humor because how could he expect someone like me? I had such a low opinion of myself back then. I thought there's no possible way that someone like me could do anything to help anybody, especially, you know, helping them with spiritual matters. And so um, I resisted that calling for quite a while until I came to the realization that God really was calling me to do this. And it was life-changing for me, uh, to say the least. And I spent several years in deep biblical studies and historical studies as well. Uh, the most important thing that I did was strengthen my connection with God and make Him first in my life. And then uh, He opened many doors up and brought about transformation and certainly being transformed from victim to victor. I can never thank him and praise him enough for that. And I understand now, I understand why he called me to do this work because he wants to work through the people that have been there. So it was really, uh, in essence, it was necessary for me to have had all those uh, horrible demonic experiences in my childhood and even going into my adult years, you know, all through my teen years, going into my adult years it was necessary in order for me to be where I'm at, where I'm at right now in helping others, people can relate to me. So if I were to go some to someone and I'm the most intelligent guy in the world. And if I go to someone, I've never had the experience, but we can't come together because I can't relate to that person, but being who I am, And and how God has called me in this, and and someone that has been there to experience some of the most horrific things, um, people can relate to me, and they feel comfort in that, and I praise God for it. So I perfectly understand it now.
2: Can you share a little bit uh, about your background with that? Like, what exactly happened in your childhood?
0: Yeah, it's uh, just amazing. I've written nine books, and in the first book, uh, Dark Force. Uh, and I think it was the fifth book as well, Dark Force Revisited. Uh, I talk about these events that took place um, in 1970. We lived in the home from 1970 to 1980, and and I started the original Dark Force book out by saying the events took place in that home located in Glumbering, Maryland, in a community called Herondale. Uh, But it really goes much further back than that. I, I found out after I'd written that book that um, two distant relatives as far back as hundred years ago um, conjured these demonic forces and invited and invoke and invoked them uh, in. And they came and they created a variety of curses and damage on both sides of the family. My mother's side of the family and my dad's side as well. And many, uh, terrible and tragic deaths and uh, under mysterious circumstances and just a whole list of, you know, horrible things, Heidi. And so that was before I even came into the world, but my, uh, my parents, William and Patricia Bean, uh, they were, and I, I have to add this as well. My mother who was born in 1937, um, she moved around a lot with her family. Unfortunately, her dad, I never met him. His name was Edmund Harvey. Um, uh, according to them, uh, family members, he was an abusive alcoholic. And uh, so my mother had a very tough childhood. And uh, she and her family moved around quite a bit. And at one point in time, actually lived in that very area of Glenbury, Maryland, in that community called Harrendale. So she had prior exposure, you know, to that area, but they already had paranormal supernatural things happening in their lives anyway. But, um, and, and Edmund Harvey, my grandfather was uh, mysteriously and tragically killed uh, as he was in the waters of Point Pleasant uh, beach, Maryland uh, struck by a boat uh, and was killed. And so um My parents got together in 1956. My sister, um, Patty, she was born in 57. There was another child born in 1963, and he died under mysterious circumstances. And I could never get a cohesive story from the surviving family members. I got differing and varying accounts of what happened to that child. I know that he was a male. I know that he didn't live for long, and I also know all members agree that representatives from Johns Hopkins Hospital came to retrieve that body for studies. Now, whatever that means, I don't know. And I tried to go through the uh, historical channels of Johns Hopkins, and they said they didn't have told me they didn't have the records anymore. And so I never could get to the bottom of what took place there with that child. Uh, I was born in 1966 and my brother was born in 1969. And we moved into that home in 1970. And my mother was the first to uh, have a supernatural experience in the home. It took place after moving in while she was in the living room, unpacking boxes and organizing. My dad had taken us with him for the day to his parents' house. uh, So my mother would have peace without us, you know, interrupting her so she could unpack and organize the home. And she was in the living room unpacking when she felt the presence come into the room. She thought that it was my dad sneaking up on her, playing a joke on her. Uh, and she spun around just shocked. You know, she was fully anticipating on seeing him and her absolute shock, you know, no one or nothing was there. So as you can imagine, she was unnerved by it perplexed and, uh um, She tried to go back to doing what she was doing. And one of the bedroom doors, which was to be my sister's bedroom, uh, the door slammed shut by itself. And that was enough to make her go outside and wait until we returned. So um, that's where it started. Wow. And then it uh, gradually increased and escalated with more of these uh, noises and events and feelings of presence and footsteps down the hallway. Uh, We had, and back in those days, you didn't have remote control uh, for your TV. You know, you had these big, heavy console TVs, and you'd have to uh, press a button in, and then it had a very heavy Dial, the channel selector was very, and it took effort to turn that. And uh, there were many times that the TV would come on by itself and the dial would effortlessly flip, you know, by itself. And um, many, many things, Heidi. So it all gradually escalated into violent physical attacks on us from those demonic entities which greatly contributed to the destruction of my family. Neither of my parents lived to see the age of 50 and most of my family are gone. And so very, very sad and tragic. I wanna give a quick layout. This house was located at the bottom of a downhill cul-de-sac and it had a very uh, large and long and deep ravine located behind it, stretched for several miles. And there's some interesting things about that ravine also. But um, the house was semi dilapidated. My father, Wheaton Bean Sr., was a master carpenter. He saw it as a rehab restoration project, which he did. He restored it. Um, but the house from the beginning had a very ominous look and feel about it. I was four years old uh, when we moved in. My sister was 13. And we uh, stood there and looked at it. And she had the same type of feeling, just unnerved. Uh, and it was equally so, equally so on the inside. So you would enter in through the front door. and you would come to um, a coat closet. So as soon as you walked in the front door, there would be a coat closet with these, uh, wooden sliding wooden doors. I, I
2: and, hate uh, to I hate to interrupt here, but we've got to get to our first break though, and I think this is a good spot to get people to anticipate what's what happens next after that. Yes, you guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeart Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
3: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast
2: welcome back you are listening to dark becomes light with me Heidi Hollis on the I radio and coast-to-coast Coast a.m paranormal podcast network and i have bill bean who was just describing to us what took place in his home that got him started on this very very uh fascinating and horrific but uh, overall uh inspiring uh journey so please do continue you're describing the home that you grew up in where these things began in your life
0: yeah and you'd walk in through the front door heidi and, and you would see this uh coat closet that had these uh, wooden doors and, and they were these sliding wooden doors. And then you would advance past that into the living room. The home was very dark. It had dark brown paneling on the walls, almost black in color. So the home was always very dark and it had that vibe. So uh, many of us know when evil is presence and when it's present, oh yeah, you can, you can feel an atmospheric change. You can feel a heaviness in the air. Sometimes you could smell, you know, rotted smells of either like a sulfur smell or feces smell, or just like rotted food or something like that. Um, Those are all telltale signs that, uh, you know, something demonic is present. And so you would, uh, you know, come into the living room. Uh, My dad had knocked out a coat closet that was on the right. And he made a bar So there was a space there with a bar and and an interesting photo was taken of my mother behind that bar in 1975 that uh, I think I've sent this photo to you before. um, Where in the mirror, there appears to be this very large alien looking face. Oh, yeah. And so that was 1975 in that home. So then you would go down the hallway and it was a long, uh, narrow hallway that again had this dark brown paneling on the walls. And oftentimes we would be in bed and hear these footsteps coming down the hallway. It just sounded like boots or, you know, heavy soled shoes that uh, would come down the uh, tiled hallway and, and reverberate off of that paneling. And my brother and I shared the first room on the right. Uh, His bed was closest to the window. Mine was closest to the door. Uh, My parents' room is the next room down on the right. And uh, my sister's room was the last room on the left across the hallway. And that is the room that I believe uh, had the main portal in the home. And I think it was in her closet. And that closet was adjacent to the closet at the end of the hallway, which was like a linen closet. And um, we saw entities walking through into that and balls of light and and many things into that over the years. And my sister was the first human uh, in the family to suffer um, an attack. And that took place in 1970. And uh, she was asleep in her bed. Something woke her from her sleep. She could not see anyone or anything, but she knew something was there. And she got scared and she was going to get out of bed and get my parents. And then something grabbed her leg and she was able to let out a scream. And and that did wake my parents. And they ran into the room, turned the light on. They didn't see an entity there, but what they did see uh, was my sister, very traumatized, curled up in a fetal Mm. position and also saw red marks on her leg to where she said, you know, something had grabbed her. So my sister was never again comfortable in the house, uh she wouldn't be there for very long she ended up running away uh in the middle of the night of 1973 i believe it was and married a young man in the neighborhood our story was featured on the haunting series it aired on september 7 2006 still being shown to this day unbelievable
2: yeah uh, that's where i and, first heard your story i yeah. was blown away blown yeah. away
0: it's just amazing and so she stated in that interview that she would have just done anything, you know, to get out of that house. She couldn't take it anymore. And and I said that she was the first human to be attacked, uh, you know, in the family, in the home. Uh, We always had dogs uh, and and other pets, and they, too, were physically attacked. And some of them uh, went insane. Um, Not long after moving in, also, my dad had uh, put up a swimming pool, which was right outside of my sister's window, uh, you know, right there, sort of beside her window in the driveway, and um, my dad, you know, he was a master craftsman. He did everything with precision, and um, so he spent the day assembling, erecting, and assembling this pool, and and so they, uh, he puts the hose in, lets it fill up overnight. And he and my mom get up the next morning and they open the the back door. He's going to go and check on everything. And they see the backyard flooded. Oh, no. Water's everywhere. Something uh, broke that pool down and and bent the top cap, the rail cap, just bent it in, caved in the side of the pool. So something I I wrote in my book, it would have taken like a team of at least five strong men or better to do something like that. And uh, so the pool was absolutely destroyed. He ended up uh, eventually relocating, putting another pool up uh, I'd say probably about four or 50 feet away from where that pool was further in the backyard. And and the pool stood there without incident Uh for the rest of the time that we were there my so goodness. yeah many of these bizarre things just continue to happen and my my dad again who was a very good man but made some very bad choices uh in his life yeah, he and my mom were social drinkers and back then that you would have the house parties and the holiday parties and all that kind of stuff and family members and friends would come uh, it was a very big thing back in the 70s and uh so His drinking escalated from being a social drinker. It escalated into him being a raging alcoholic who began to physically abuse my mother on a regular basis between 1973 and 1975, nearly killed her on several occasions. And I look back on it again, knowing what I know now. Um, My father was a very rugged individual. He was a man's man. And um, he was used to being in control of every situation. And I think that he found himself in a situation that he could not control. He confided in my mother's mother that uh, he was being physically attacked as well. My brother uh, told me a story um, back in 1975 before my father left us. My brother saw my father come in through the front door. He was only sitting on the sofa and he saw my father come in through the front door in a drunken stupor but he swears and my brother wouldn't make this up. And my brother doesn't even like to talk about any of these things, but he told me this story and and said that uh, I was not there. I was with uh, my grandmother, but he said that uh, my dad walked in, was grabbed by an unseen force and thrown through those two wooden coat closet doors and broke those doors down and was thrown, picked up and thrown through them. So he was having experiences. He was under spiritual and physical attack. Uh, and and I'm not making excuse, excuses for my dad, but uh, I do believe that it led him to trying to escape reality through just being obliterated through alcoholism. And uh, it's such a sad and unfortunate uh, story, Heidi. My mother was a very good woman, uh, and, and she certainly did, didn't deserve what she went through and she suffered more than any other person I've ever seen in my life, because, you know, not only was she dealing with the physical abuse uh, at the hands of my father, she was also very ill. She became very ill after moving into the house, suffering from high blood pressure, which led to a series of strokes, which all led to kidney failure. So she suffered greatly. Uh, And my dad left us in 1975 thank god he left us because had he not left i'm convinced he would have killed my mother so he left us in 1975 but unfortunately after he left my mother came under regular physical attack from at least three different demonic entities had different looks and uh it got so bad that she couldn't sleep in her bed anymore she actually had to come in and sleep in our room with us Because it was that bad that she couldn't be alone in her bed anymore.
2: Absolutely horrific.
0: Yeah, it was it was horrible. So we suffered for many, many years. Uh, You know, here I am, a big, strong man now, not afraid of anyone or anything. And that's by the power of God, not praising for it. Um, But back then I was a scared kid. We were constantly on edge. I suffered many physical attacks as well. The First time that I had a physical attack took place in 1971. I was five years old. And similar to my sister, you know, something unseen woke me up from my sleep. Uh, Couldn't see anyone or anything there. I got uh, I was very afraid and I got up. uh, I'll never forget it out of the left side of my bed. And as I got up, a tremendous force grabbed me by my shoulders, threw me back on the bed, pinned me to the bed. And then I felt like I was paralyzed. I could not move. The only thing that worked were moved were my eyes. And it was horrific. The the experience felt like it lasted for hours. I'm sure it only lasted maybe seconds or a few minutes, but it felt like it lasted for hours. And it ended uh, with the appearance of what I believe was an angel that uh, manifested at the foot of my bed. And as this angelic lady appeared, all the horrible things that were happening to me suddenly stopped I, you know, I've given probably 2,500 interviews now in my career, and every time I describe this, I can't even accurately describe it in words, the level of fear and trauma that I was feeling at that time. I I literally felt like my heart was jumping out of my body. I felt like I was going to die. And then this divine manifestation appears and everything stops and she just continued to smile and gaze at me. And I felt so much love and peace and comfort from this angelic being. And then she turned to her left and floated right up through the ceiling.
2: Utterly amazing. I, now, I, I love I love I, I love when stories end on a high note, especially like that, especially after going through so much trauma. And of course, you and I could both relate to what it is to yes. live through an absolute horrible haunting. But, um, you know, we're going to get to our next break, you guys. You're listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Carnival Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: The Internet is an extraordinary resource that links our children to a world of information, experiences, and ideas it can also expose them to risk. Teach your children the basic safety rules of the virtual world. Our children are everything. Do everything for them.
4: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded...
2: Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I have Bill Bean here who was sharing about his absolutely tragic and horrific uh, encounters that he occurred uh, when he was a child. But And on a positive note, this last experience, which I I really am happy to hear, and uh, I think that's something that's really important for people to know that, you know, when all else seems to be lost, God is always kind of paying attention, And, and I hear of these these stories where you get an angelic encounter or sometimes a jesus encounter or a mary encounter that helps to inspire the end of things or a shift in the energy and that very much happened to you in your life and look where you're at now i'd I'd love to dive into some of the work that you're doing these days
0: yeah it's it's really an amazing journey uh heidi and I we talked off air. I could not be where I'm at right now and helping others had I not been there. So it was all necessary for me to experience those things. Um, Do I wish it on anybody? No. Do I wish that I could change some things? Absolutely. Especially when it comes to the suffering of my mother. But I can't change that. So I have to continue to move forward. And I fully understand now why God has called me to do this work. I did not choose to do this. this. This was not on my um occupational list of choices, but God chose me to do this, and I can never thank Him and praise Him enough for for working through me to help people. It's not me. There's nothing special about me, but God has done extraordinary things through me in helping others, and again, I praise Him for that. So, it's amazing how this all came about because my family story aired Uh, On September 7th, 2006, on the Haunting series, which is still being shown to this day, just unbelievable. That's what put me on the map uh, worldwide. And people started contacting me for help. I couldn't help them back then at that point in time. So I would refer them to people that I thought could help them. But that's really where their journey started And uh, I was still having experiences up until that point. And then uh, my wife and I ended up getting baptized and we were set free. I certainly was from all the evil, not that she had anything like that, but I, I was certainly set free from, you know, all the evil oppression and attachments that were on me. It wasn't long after that that God put the calling on my life, which I very much resisted but then when I realized that uh, that he meant business, uh, then I engaged in several years of deep uh, biblical and historical studies. The most important thing that I did was uh, had a real and authentic relationship with God. The closer I drew to him, the closer he drew to me, and the more he blessed me and the more he gave me spiritual discernment. And then um, I became an ordained non-denomination minister and uh, that gave me the confidence in myself because I had such a low opinion of myself for so long, for many reasons, which we can't get into now. But I highly recommend for those of you out there who you know, want to know more about me and my story, pick up my books, visit BillJBean.com and, and click on the, uh, the link and you can order my books and, and you'll know the full story about what we're talking about here. But um It was amazing, the first family that I went to in 2013. That's when my journey as the spiritual warrior began. And uh, as soon as I got there, and this family had a very, very uh, strong and heavy uh, demonic oppression on them and their home. And uh, within minutes of arriving, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt a, that God had really called me to do this and B, it was the greatest thing to know what my purpose in life was. So I never look back from, from that very first time of going to help the first family to where I'm at now. And I would have to guess, I couldn't give you an accurate number. So I would have to guess that it's probably in the low thousands of people that I've helped since 2013. I've traveled all over America, everywhere, and help people from every walk of life that you can imagine uh, from VIPs uh, to people that, uh, you know, lived in in squalor. I've seen every type of person, every type of personality, and I've helped uh, people in 50 other countries as well. So this has been a remarkable journey. And I always say to people, it's miraculous. It truly is. And for those who think that God doesn't work miracles, I would point out the one miracle that he works for everybody every single day on this earth is when we open our eyes each and every day, it is the miracle of life. Life is a gift. We are not promised tomorrow. And God works that miracle of life for us each and every day. And the first thing I do, Heidi, is when I open my eyes every day is I thank God and praise God for the day.
2: No, I hear you. You know, I think honestly, here I I juggle demonic stories all the time. So I I, I mention Jesus, I think on every episode that I I do, because it's like, how do you combat the darkness with without showing the light and the light is for me being a Christian, you know, of course, it's Jesus, it's God, it's, you know, I don't know how better to uh, help people um, and to You see these patterns, too. And I I know you've you've been in this for a long time now. And it's like you see the patterns, you see the oppression, you see the depression, and then you see the possession. And you are also an exorcist. How do you go about helping people with such a heavy case?
0: All through the power of God. So, you know, I prepare for these types of things. When I say that my connection with God is real and authentic. It truly is. Am I perfect? No. Do I claim to be? No, but I could tell you this with absolute certainty that I try to do the best and be the best that I can be each and every day of my life. God is truly first in my life, and I rely on him for everything. He empowers me. He protects me, and he gives me holy discernment to have an automatic knowing of things. And so, when I go into these types of situations— God will already put it in my mind. Sometimes he'll show me pictures of what it is and even what the demons look like and where they're at, uh, and, and who they're in. Uh, and sometimes it's just an automatic knowing that's the best way that I can describe it. And in that, a, I have to be in total faith can't doubt for a second and B I have to be in total control. I can't have any fear because if I show fear, I'm finished, and the people that I'm trying to help are finished, because now the devil has won a victory through fear, so I don't have any fear. I traded my fear for what I call warrior mode, which is faith-strength and courage, and so by the power of God and by activating the power of God over my life, and Heidi, let me tell you, I've been in many life-threatening situations throughout my life, and many Since becoming the spiritual warrior, you would be surprised people trying to uh, pull guns on me and trying to stab me and slash me and trying to bite me and spit on me. You wouldn't believe it. And I've wrote about some of this in my books. I have a brand new book out called Purge. I highly recommend it out of the nine books I've written. This is the one that I would recommend above all the others, because this is um, a book that can help you to have a real authentic relationship with God, plus make you armed and dangerous by activating the power of God over your life. And I give you step-by-step information through powerful prayers, how you can achieve this. So in my opinion, it's a very valuable book, far more valuable than any of my other books. And uh, every person that uh, has sent me a review has sent an outstanding review and it has been life changing and life altering for some. And again, I thank God and praise God for it. So uh, I have seen people's eyes change from the regular looking eyes to all white, all black, all red. In one case, they were like a yellow green that had reptilian slits. I've seen people levitate. I've experienced people who had superhuman strength. I have heard People talk in other voices, not their voice, and saying information that they would not know. Um, I have, you name it, I have seen it. And furthermore, and I know we're running out of time, these supernatural events go far deeper and wider than most people understand. This is all connected in some way. So in a lot of these cases, I've had people, and even in my own case, that uh, not only were under demonic attack but also were having experiences with ufos aliens bigfoot all these things and it sounds preposterous to some but i assure you that it's not it's all connected it's all very much connected i I have written two books about that as well stranger than fiction and stranger than fiction 2 Uh, these things are all very much connected but the Most important thing that we could do in our life, and certainly to combat evil, is to make God Yahweh first and his son Yahshua, Jesus the Christ, bring him into your life, and we can have a covering over us by the favor of God and the power of God that can help to sustain us in our daily battle. Make no mistake, all of us are in spiritual warfare on a daily basis. Most people don't realize it. So it is very important to activate the power of God over your life.
2: Yes. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to get some of your information or get help?
0: And I want to thank you again for having me on. It's always great to be on with you. And I look forward to the next time. Thank everybody out there for tuning in. And if you are out there and you're in need don't hesitate to contact me, BillJBean.com. You can email me directly from the website. I will get back to you as quickly as I can. I am very busy. I have a ton of people that contact me on a daily basis for help. And it is by the power of God that he helps me to navigate from person to person to be able to try and get as many people in as possible. So if you're out there and you're in need, don't hesitate.
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Bill Bean. This has been another fabulous conversation.
0: Thank you, Heidi. God bless you. And I look forward to the next time.
2: Thank you. Well, we have come to the bottom of another fabulous episode. Wow. Enlightening. So much information. And I want to remind everybody to go to my main website, HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com. If you have experienced anything out of the ordinary and you want some insight or if you want to give insight, give me as much detail as you can. Because the more, the better. So we can all better understand and share with the world on what's happening out there all right you have been listening to dark becomes light with me heidi hollis on the iHeartRadio radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network we'll see you next time stay safe everybody